Welcome to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast. We are your hosts, Kitty and Alora. And in this episode, we are sinking down into the phonic realm by broaching the sometimes uncomfortable topics of death and the afterlife. We'll discuss our own personal views and beliefs about the dying process, pagan funerals and burials, as well as journey to some of the pagan realms of the dead. It's going to be an infernal hour, so grab your cuppa and settle in. Hey, Laura. Hey, Kitty. <laughs> so, oh, with so this, this is topic, a heavy, this yeah, is, this is a heavy, heavy yeah, topic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like loosening my collar. I'm like, ooh, this is a heavy. <laughs> this is heavy. It's, it's not. And you know what? It's kind of. I wouldn't say out of the realm of otherworldly oracle official podcasts, but a little it's more. Liminal. It's liminal. It, oh, there you go. It is liminal for sure. <laughs> let's go ahead and dive in then. So where do you think, this is the big question. Where do you think we go when we die? Um, okay. So I actually believe it depends on the individual. Hmm. I think that some people will go to the Summerlands if that's where they believe they will go. I think others will go to Valhalla. I, you know what I mean? Like there are all these different realms mm-hmm. of death. Right. Uh, that we're going to get life. into. Mm. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I really think that I, me in particular, uh, will be going back to the Summerlands. I actually dream of it a lot. I've journeyed there a lot. Um, and not on purpose. So, um, and I think that for most souls, whether they where where, wherever they land, it's not permanent because mm-hmm. most souls are there to take a rest, forget their, the life that they had. And then they get called back to earth, mm-hmm. whether it's by their own cho- choosing or, you know, or not, um, but I believe in reincarnation. So I've met very, and I've actually met very few souls who are finished with their incarnation cycle in this particular lifetime. Um, wow. and yeah, because I actually, so I do past life readings. And one of the, one of the things that I look at is, um, if the soul is finished incar- incarnating in the present life, um, and, I've only met a couple and two. Uh, so one of them is my mom. The other one was my grandmother and it was not based on one past life reading. It was based on multiple where this question was asked. And every time the answer was yes, they're done. Hmm. So, but I think they're the only ones that I've read or, um, explored that with that they, they were not going to reincarnate. Wow. Yeah. So, so what about you? I mean, honestly, you pretty much summed up my exact uh, belief, so I don't even need to go into it. (laughs) 
But yeah, I think That's we have, funny. I think too, that we have options, which um, I'll get into a little bit more later, but yeah. Well, I think, I think the afterlife and the death lands are just as diverse as people. So, mm-hmm. and even, I don't know, there's this saying that God appears to you in the way that you can relate. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, whether you're Christian, Muslim, pagan, witch, um, you know, what Buddhist, whatever, I feel like that's the best way that you can understand divinity. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. I kind of have the same, I kind of have the same outlook on death and the afterlife. Yeah. Agreed. hundred percent. All right. So that being said, do you have any fears or apprehensions around death? And to that same note, do you feel like past religions or maybe modern societal views on death have influenced um, your views of it? And, you know, were you able to get past this? So, okay. So I'm not afraid of the dying part, right? So, you know, however it happens, it's, you know, it happens to everyone. It's going to happen. Like that's, that's just it. But I have had massive anxiety about the, the thought of not being right. So it's a hard thing to explain, but it's just really, I fully understand. Yeah. For me to think that one day I will not exist. Right. I will not be here. I will not be conscious. I will not walk around. Yep. Yeah. And I, I think that as far as religions and modern views on death, how they've influenced me, I feel like, especially in dogmatic religions, death is treated as an, I mean, well, death is treated as an ending, right? Mm -hmm. And everything from the way that it's handled the way that you're supposed to act, what you're wearing. Um, So it's very macabre. It's very serious. It's very sullen. It's very, it's not, I I feel like religion, dogmatic religion have added these things to the right of death, which then adds anxiety and fear. Definitely. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I had honestly, because of the church that I grew up in, I had very deep seated fears about death for most of my life. Mm. Um, it up until probably about my late twenties, when I had a astral projection experience that it, it just basically reminded me where we go upon death. It was sort of Mm. just a floating up out of my body. Um, just up above the trees into the stars and kind of feeling like I'm being born into the other realm, like reabsorbed into the universe, but I was still me. If that makes sense. I could still feel that I was, you know, a being. Um, and it was a really beautiful and warm experience. And that for whatever reason, that one experience really took away a lot of my fears of dying. 
And, you know, the reason I say I was so scared of it is because I was told, you know, that if you had sin in your heart, when you died, that you were going to go to hell and burn for eternity. And I was taught that from a very young age. So I would literally go to bed at night, you know, as a little girl terrified that if I die, that I, you know, that I might <laughs> go to hell and be tormented for eternity. <laughs> I'm laughing well, about it, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think a lot of people, when they come to the pagan path or just an alternative spiritual path, have a lot of that kind of trauma about death to seep through and to heal from. And it takes a long time, honestly. Mm. Well, it's interesting. Like I can imagine that being from a religion that is basically fire and brimstone for lack of a better term, Mm -hmm. uh, it would be far scarier. I think, um, to think about death because you are very much made aware of all the ways that you can sin. And essentially there's no way not to sin on right. a daily basis. So. Uh, yeah. And not only that, it's like, then you, then you worry that, you know, there's the whole story about when you die and then, you know, they judge you and then everyone can see everything that you've done wrong in your life. I mean, you know, it just goes on and on, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I grew up Catholic and I think, so for whatever reason, hell never, I don't know. I, it didn't impact me. Like, I mean, I grew up knowing about heaven and hell, but for some reason, whenever hell would be talked about, I'd be like, eh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm, okay, whatever. Um, yeah. cause I guess I just didn't believe that there was a God that would do that. No. And then, yeah. And you, when you get to a certain level, of healing, then you realize that it just doesn't make any sense (laughs) logically. Yeah. But I think, and it's funny though, because I think as a Catholic growing up, we were more made to fear purgatory Mm -hmm. because at least with heaven and hell, you knew you were going one or the other, but with Catholicism, there is this third place Mm -hmm. and that's where you go when they don't know what to do with you. Essentially it's it's liminal limbo, right? Right. (laughs) Well, nope. Limbo is different than purgatory. Oh crud. I'm not Catholic. Limbo limbo is where I, I hope I get this right. Don't quote me because I, I haven't been in catechism forever, but I think limbo is where unbaptized babies go. Oh, And purgatory is where you go if they're not sure if you should go to heaven or hell. And basically the way that you get out of purgatory is if enough people pray for you to get out. (laughs) So you're like, well, how will they know? (laughs) Yeah, really? So, yeah, but that all being said. (laughs) Yeah. Well, all right. Before we get deep into the pagan realms of the dead. Um, We want to first talk about the dying process, but before that, I'd like to recite a part of the song Helvagen, which I feel like a lot of pagans know the song. We love the song. Um, The song is a lot about the process of dying and, and where we go afterward, making it to Helheim essentially. Hmm. Okay. So it goes. I know it all, Odin, where you hid your eye, early or in fading day. Still, the raven knows if I fall. 
When you stand by the gate of hell and when you must tear loose, follow you, I shall across the bridge of Giel with my song. And if you have not heard that song for our listeners, um, Hellwagen by Wardruna and uh, Calandra also does a really beautiful haunting version of it. Mm. You need to listen to it. <laughs> do you love that song? I'm sure you do. Yes, I do. Yeah. I love everything that Ward Room, Ward Runa and Danheim and Omnia essentially put out. Although Omnia is a little bit more Celtic. I was going to say, we're going to have to, and we're going to do a witchy entertainment episode where we're going to talk about, I feel like we should do TV shows, movies, and probably music too. Yes, I'm down. Okay, cool. Um, Because we need to have this whole conversation about Omnia. But anyway, okay, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. Pagan death traditions. I think... First of all, it truly depends on what your loved one or you, um, you know, when I say what, if your loved one, let's say you have a loved one that's pagan and I'm just referring to everyone in general here, but if you're pagan, if, if it depends on what you want to happen, um, upon your death, but there's several different pagan death customs to consider. I say several, there's really a lot, but we're only going to go over a few here. Mm -hmm. So there's an, ancient custom, but just as a baby is cleansed upon birth, um, via bathing, but also with the Christian baptism, this, you know, the symbolism of that many pagans asked to be cleansed or bathed upon death. And honestly, a lot of, uh, hospice and hospitals will do this as well. Um, yeah, sometimes it gets skipped, which is really sad, but that is the honest truth about it. And, you know, why is this? Because death is another transition and it's another part of the, the, the life, death, the rebirth cycle. And, you know, when you're clean, you're prepared to meet the afterlife fresh and anew. Yeah, I agree with all that. Mm-hmm. And this is something that is kind of done across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, and it's especially like, it's even especially important, I think, when somebody dies in a traumatic fashion, um, yeah. that this be done. Yeah. Especially like, you know, murders and things like that. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So what about, have you heard of massaging or anointing the deceased's feet with oils to prepare for the long journey ahead? Have you ever heard? Uh, of that? I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not, I mean, I've never seen it done in my yeah. lifetime, <laughs> I but not, I have heard of it. Yet. I have not seen it done, but it's funny. I did a, a past life reading for actually a loved one, a family member. And, um, in that reading, I saw either her, or I think it was her and another person massaging a woman's feet, like after she had died. And it was just crazy because when she read the reading, this had actually been a recent occurrence for her with, um, another family member that had actually passed away. So it was kind of cool, but, um, yeah. So some of the oils traditionally used in this custom, uh, Angelica, blackberry, chrysanthemum, and tobacco. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't it's just things to consider, right? These aren't typical 
not all of them are going to be typical traditions nowadays, but you right. know, as a pagan, you may want to partake in or have some of these ancient things done. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, another thing to do, placing a circle of candles around the body and a big one, keeping watch until the funerary rites. Now, this is super traditional in a lot of cultures, especially dating back to other centuries. And obviously the problem with this is if your loved one dies in the hospital, um, mm. you're not going to be able to do this. Yeah. And I, I actually wanted to insert here. Mm-hmm. Um, this is still a very big thing among yeah. certain indigenous American nations. Mm-hmm. Um, and for them, what they do, well, I won't say for, I can't speak for all indigenous American nations, but the ones I have witnessed, um, they have kept the deceased outside, um, in the backyard, essentially of the family home where they have put torches around the body. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're either kept like in an open coffin or on a table um, with things around them. And they're left out in the open for essentially it's awake. So people yeah. come by. Yeah. I was going to say the Irish do that too. They put them on the table. Mm-hmm. And it's um, the ones that I've seen were for, I can't remember the amount of days and nights, but it's a set amount of days and nights. I can't remember. It's either like three, five or seven. Um, but somebody, there's usually two people that keep watch 24 mm-hmm. seven. So they rotate. Yep. Um, who guards the body. Yeah. Um, and, and then after that, um, w- is when the funeral would take place. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the reason for that, I think is there's a couple different reasons, but the ones that I know of is, um, it, it was kind of like watching the body to make sure nothing evil tries to get in. Right. Right. Um, yeah. but I think too, there was some more, there were other like practical reasons for it too. Like back in the day, they didn't know how to tell when a person was actually dead. So mm. instead of burying them <laughs> immediately, they would keep watch to make sure the person wasn't, you know, still alive. And they just right. didn't realize, <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that's the two that I can think of. I'm sure there's other reasons as well, but yeah. Okay. In addition, if you, you know, maybe you can have someone call on your, your personal gods, your ancestors to protect and guide you to the afterlife. There are Mm -hmm. different, there's so many different psychopomp type spirits. There's spirit guides that will do this animal guardians. There's, I mean, guardian angels even. So you can always request that. There's also people, (laughs) sorry. There's also people who are currently incarnated who are to serve as psychopomps. Yeah. So I if believe you, that. yeah. So, and, and, you know, the funny thing is, is I think that that particular discipline of not discipline, I don't know. I don't know if it's a discipline, a gift, whatever you want to call it. Um, there's a lot of them particularly coming forward right now. Well, that's not scary at all. I know. Right. But I mean, <laughs> I'm not meaning to scare anyone, but I'm just saying like death doulas, um, psychopomps, they're 
they're coming to the forefront, I guess it's not, it's not as taboo as it once was. Um, you know, yeah. And it is, it, it used to be really taboo for sure. Because even, I mean, when I was in nursing school years ago, um, they, we were at a specific uh, VA hospital and they asked me what department, you know, which uh, ward or whatever I wanted to be on. And I said, hospice. And everyone was like, why, why would you want to do that? You know, and everybody was shocked. And I just was kind of like, what is the problem here? You know, <laughs> like, right. Um, and then, you know, I, people at the time I said that I wanted to be a hospice nurse. Mm. People would ask me, well, why wouldn't you want to go into like labor and delivery or something like that? I'm like, I don't know. I just feel drawn to work in a hospice. And I didn't understand what the big, you know, like what the big deal was, but it, yeah, to a lot of people, it is taboo still, but, but I think you're right. I think it's becoming more prevalent, I guess, more accepted. Yeah. yeah more widely accepted, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So in addition to calling on one's individual gods and ancestors or psychopomps, you could also have a picture or a statue of your guide placed with, with you or the deceased to ease and transition. Um, also your amulets and talismans, obviously a lot of the ancient dead were buried with their, their goods, their stuff, you know, that we have the shield maiden, the Burka shield maiden who was buried with her sword and her, uh, medicine bag and things like that. So anything that's important to you spiritually, or even just, you know, wealth wise or whatever, I mean, I'm not going to be buried with bags of money, but you get the point, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Egyptians did the same. Exactly. Well, I think the, I think the belief is a little bit different because mm-hmm. I also think, you know, well, it depends on the culture, but I know the Egyptians did it to pay for their weigh in, so to speak, Mm. um, to take their riches with them. Uh, yeah. And and they gave them food and stuff for the journey. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, they even in some instances slaughtered livestock to Mm -hmm. be buried with the person. Yeah. Truth. So they would have something to ride into the afterlife. Yes. Yeah. I think, um, I want to say the Norse did that too. Mm, yes. Yeah. Uh, especially if it was, oh, uh, let me think. Um, oh, I can see it in my mind and there's a name for it. And now I can't remember it, but essentially if it was like a big ritualistic sacrifice, mm-hmm. there were women that were killed in sacrifice mm-hmm. along with that was already deceased and then also animals and et cetera. Yeah, for sure. So go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, okay, enough about that. All right. (laughs) So I'm just going to go through a couple more quick pagan customs surrounding death, and then we will move on a little bit. All right. So certain herbs can be burned near the body to drive away, uh, evil spirits or, you know, just negative energy in general. Um, things like frankincense and myrrh, traditional tobacco is also traditionally smoked near the deceased. Um, in addition, stopping the clock upon death, you might've seen that in movies um, and also opening a window and covering mirrors as well to allow the deceased soul, the ability to leave the earthly plane. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
So, and we've kind of, we've been touching on this a little bit, but it's in modern times versus ancient times, as far as, you know, we're just, I feel like my time in the hospital, when, when I worked in the hospital, I saw a lot of people, I mean, I, I saw quite a few people take their last breath. Right. And a lot of people are very quick to leave the dead alone. You know, mm-hmm. like for example, okay, they wait and, and it's wonderful that they're there, you know, for the dying process and everything, but it's almost is like, like, you know, two minutes after the person's gone, they're out the door. Right. Mm. And that kind of always bothered me a little bit, you know, cause I felt like even just me being in the room with that person who just passed, I felt like their soul was still there. Right. At least kind of hovering or just in the room or what have you. And I don't know. I just felt like maybe you should stick around a little longer. You know, if you can't do awake, at least stick around for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, what we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. about how, um, bodies were often kept at home yeah. or outside, you know, things like that. Uh, that was really typical. Uh, especially at the turn of the century between the 1890s and 1900s Mm -hmm. uh, to hold the wake at home. And there was even, oh, go ahead. I just said, right, go ahead. Uh, There was even the art of funerary photography that became really popular. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know all of the whys behind that. Um, I'm sure there is a superstition to it. Um, but essentially they were capturing the last photo of this person that they would ever have. And I mean, well, collecting, collecting these photos is actually like a hobby for some people. It is. Yeah. It's called postmortem, I think photography, yeah. but, um, so a uh, two, here's the thing with that. Cause I did a lot of research on that, like some years ago, cause it, I just found it fascinating in a very strange way, I guess, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> They, the, the sad part about it is that a lot of them are, are kids too. And the reason for that is because obviously we didn't have the antibiotics and things like that back then to save children's lives when they got, you know, infections. Right. And for a lot of these kids, that was the first and only photograph they'd ever had taken of them. So right. it's really sad. Right. But it was like the last stitch effort of the family to capture them right before they're completely gone, which is terribly sad. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I just feel like, you know, it's, it's very, I don't want to say we abandon the dead, like as soon as they die, but it, it feels like that a little bit in some situations. Well, and, and I, yeah. I feel like our society has made it so, uh, it's like menstruation, right? It's mm-hmm. ew. It's gross. Like, we don't need to talk about that. We don't need to, um, celebrate that, et cetera. So mm-hmm. I think our society has come, become very detached from death in that, okay, this person is dead and it is so-and-so's job to take care of that. Like, I don't yeah. Need- be in any part of that. My job is to X, Y, Z, whether it's, I have to get clothes for them to wear or, but once a person dies, we generally have nothing to do with the preparations like right. of the body. Yeah. I'm saying. That's so true. we've become very detached. Like we have specific occupations that handle that. And that's that. Yeah. It's a good point. 
I agree. Um, okay. So moving on to funerary rites. Yes. All right. So I just want to say, first of all, that witch and pagan funerals are a real thing. We do yes. not have to be buried and commemorated by a Christian pastor or priest if we don't want to. Correct. It's, um, it's a really good idea to outline what you want done upon your death in your will so that there's no confusion with your loved ones afterward. Actually, it's funny that I don't know if maybe this was like already in my head because I had a dream about a week ago that I was yelling at someone that I didn't want them to do a Christian funeral when I died. I don't know. I was dreaming that, but I was, <laughs> and they were like, no, we're going to do it. And I'm like, no, you're not. I'm pagan. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I actually had to like, when I had my last surgery, I had to write out what I wanted just in case. Yeah. And, um, I was very specific with my mother and told her, do not, I do not want people at my funeral in black. Like you guys are to dress like in white. It is to be a party. I don't want, you know, any of the, any of the serious the morning. Right. Right. Like I want there to be a bottle of Jameson and some shot glasses. <laughs> I mean, like toast to my transition. Like don't, you know, just yeah. Celebrate. Right. Right. Exactly. Celebrate your life rather. Yeah. So, yeah. So as we were saying, you don't have to have a Christian funeral service and you can ask for, you know, a pagan efficient of some kind to preside. There are yep. shamans, there's ordained pagan ministers all over the world. Now you can look for one in your local area who's qualified and who also jives with, you know, your overall pagan outlook. For example, if the person's Wiccan, you might be able to find an ordained high priest or priestess to officiate. Um, if the person is native, um, maybe you can find a local shaman. If the person was a Druid, you know, you find a Druid priest, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Cool. Like Nowadays you can agreed. find it with a, with a Google search. <laughs> exactly. And then we talk about burial versus cremation, right? So there's a lot of, I think, overlap with pagan and Christian just overall, like universally, right. How do we bury our dead and how, and, you know, do we cremate or whatever? Right. Um, you know, we don't as pagans and witches, we don't have like a single holy book that we use to guide our transitions. Um, and it doesn't tell us, you know, should we get buried? Should we cremate our bodies or what have you. So, I mean, it's really truly up to you, but I have seen that a lot of pagan and, um, which burials are done and they lean towards the eco-friendly. So this means a natural burial, um, no concrete sport into the ground. There's no man-made casket. Um, I mean, there's a, there's basically, it's like a wooden box or you can be wrapped in, um, cloth of a certain kind. There's natural cemeteries throughout the U.S. who accommodate eco-friendly witch burials. You can also do a simple Google search to locate one. Yeah, they have. I mean, these days there are a plethora of options. I mean, I've even seen um, where you can be essentially turned into a tree. Yeah, um, that's what I want done. Yeah, your ashes are placed in a like a pod 
or whatever. And then you bury that pot and a tree grows. So wow. there's like heaps of options. Yes. I actually, like when I was planning for mine, I actually found an artist who painted with cre- cremation ashes. Like they would put the ashes in the paint. Whoa. And so that's what I said I had wanted. <laughs> wow. That's and then, very and then that way. Well, and then that way, um, and I wanted a butterfly painted in mm-hmm. my memory. And then I thought like anybody who would like a memory of me can just get a copy of the print or whatever. And then, you know, my parents or my partner or whoever would keep the original. That's pretty cool. I like that idea. Yeah. So in addition to an eco-friendly witch burial, some pagans may choose to be cremated and then have their ashes spread somewhere in nature as well. We were just talking about the cremation masterpieces that Alora hmm. um, would like. And so while cremation is, a lot of people think of it as purportedly a Christian death custom, our ancient pagan ancestors from certain countries like the Norse also burned their dead. Um, this often related to the common folk uh, as the warriors were often buried and commemorated with the stone and particularly notable men and Kings were buried in a tumulus, which is basically where they're buried with, um, sometimes with a ship, usually with all of their weapons, food, riches, and then a mound was made on top. Mm. Unfortunately, burning a person on a pyre is illegal in most places. So the pyre is probably not an option. Sorry, friends. However, comma, however, however, state, what's that in the state of in the state of Michigan, they have legalized it. I thought I should read something about that. Yeah. And like, you can actually have like, you could actually build a wooden boat, put somebody on it, launch it to sea, and then fire a fiery arrow. That's and so burn. freaking cool. Yeah. That's what my husband wants. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. And, uh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was it and continue. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, if, but if you can't do the pyre thing, then cremation is similar in ways and it can be used in its place. And then again, there's also regular burials in a cemetery or being housed in a ma- mausoleum. It's completely up to you, right? We have no, we have no dogma. We have no rules. So all of that being said, let's dive or sink down or elevate into the pagan realms of the afterlife. And Alora, do you want to start us off with the Summerland? Ah, the Summerland. So the Summerland is well, okay. <laughs> Traditionally, it's the Wiccan afterlife, um, yes. but not to everyone. Uh, Correct. Because, right. So Wicca is a religion unto itself. Wiccans believe in an afterlife and they call it Summerland. The Wiccan Summerland is comparable to the Christian's heaven with some major pagan differences. Mm -hmm. So Wiccans generally believe that souls travel to the Wiccan Summerland after death to await reincarnation. Right. Once the soul learns or experiences all it needs, the reincarnation cycle ends. Then the soul stays in the Wiccan Summerland for eternity. Of course, beliefs on exactly how this happens varies, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. The Wiccan Summerland belief was no doubt influenced by the Celtic otherworld, Greek underworld, and the Norse pagan realms. And I just have to say, when I say Summerland, I don't mean the Wiccan afterlife. I got you. Um, I am more, I am more talking about the Celtic otherworld, really. Um, yeah. And you know what? It's going to be everyone, every individual pagan is going to have their own term for it. And it might not, you know, you might call it one thing and, and view it as something different than what the name is to other people. You know what I mean? So it's all good. Yeah. Maybe I should just start saying where the fairies are, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I just call it the Summerland because when, at least when I have been there, like it literally, it literally looks like the summer lands. Like I can't Mm. even, I don't even know how else to say it. (laughs) Did your experience, um, of the Summerland. I'm just curious if it matches some of the dreams that I've had, the experiences that I've had there. It's always, I can, I'll, I'll just tell yeah. you what it looks like. Well, wait, but I got to yeah. ask you and then you can tell me. Well, no, because I don't want my answer to be biased from what you tell me. So fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, whenever I dream of it or I've seen it, it's like this giant field and it's hilly. And there's always a stream or streams within this landscape. It's always heaps of flowers, heaps of trees, um, but lots of, so there's forest, but there's also lots of open space, wide open space with lot, like I said, with lots of hills. And I mean, it's bright and it's just, I, I don't know how it's to explain it. Okay. What were you going to ask me though? Um, no, just, I've, I've had this recurring dream where I, it, to me, it almost looks more like the the place that I've been rather not, not necessarily what you've seen or anything, but my, my version, my experience of the afterlife, it almost, it reminds me of what the Christian heaven might be views viewed as because there's, it's very open and bright sky all around lots lots of clouds like billowy clouds and i'm always swimming through a crystal lake like it's a shimmery mm. i don't know how to explain it it's just like crystals that you're swimming through but it's water but anyway i was just well, wondering then- if you had that you've seen the crystal lake <laughs> no not a lake um okay. but there's always rivers in mm-hmm. mine well i don't know if river is appropriate, but like rivers and creeks we'll say, because some of them aren't as big as a river, Mm -hmm. but there's always a water feature every time I go for sure. Or a water-like feature, however you want to say that. Love it. Okay. So tell us about the Norse. Okay. So the Norse pagan afterlife. All right. The Let's start with the world tree concept. So the world tree concept is sort of a global concept, right? For many different ancient cultures, but the Norse also had their version of the world tree, which is called Yggdrasil. Mm -hmm. This tree consists of nine realms, um, respectively, Niflheim, Muspelheim, Asgard, Midgard, Jotunheim, Vanaheim, Alfheim, Vartalfheim. (laughs) (laughs) and Helheim. And if I completely butchered those words, just forgive me. 
The gods, dwarves, giants, elves, humans, and the dead dwell in various realms throughout this gigantic tree. So we'll start with Helheim, also called Hell, is the realm of the dead, located under one of the three great roots of Yggdrasil, and is ruled by the deity named Hell, the daughter of Loki, and also a daughter of the giantess Angerboda. This is where people who die of disease or old age are believed to go, according to the sagas and the Edas. Mm -hmm. Many believe it is the main realm of the ancestors. And while the Edas don't exactly tell us a whole lot about this, this realm, it does mention that there's a place for lost souls, but also like that the dead can essentially rent out rooms for lodging. <laughs> And it's the terminology is different, but that's basically the concept. Um, and the, the, the real sad part about this is that we've lost much of what our Norse and Germanic ancestors knew of these realms um, over time. And also during, you know, conversion of Christianity. Right. So a lot of people think, oh, hell or Helheim, that sounds really scary, but there's actually a lot of modern heathens and Norse pagans that say they would prefer to go to Helheim because that's probably where all their ancestors are. And they're going to, you know, cozy up by the fireplace with a nice cup of mead. Right. And yeah. chill. <laughs> and rent out a room when they're not, you know, haunting people. Exactly. <laughs> Why not? Doesn't sound too bad to me. Okay. The next realm um, of the pagan Norse pagan, excuse me, afterlife folk vanger. And this is the realm of Freya. And essentially she gets half of the battle slain warriors. They come to her after death to her realm. And it's kind of funny because this is typically portrayed and talked about as a great field, mm. similar to kind of what you've seen with your Summerland version. And so there's some speculation as to whether this field of Freya's is in Asgard or is it in Vanaheim? It could be one or the other, and we don't really mm -hmm. know. But in a few of the old sagas, too, women who die a noble death may also enter Freya's realm. And honestly, I believe her devotees, if that's where they want to go, they'll they'll go there as well. Isn't what? <laughs> I'm just thinking because there's the Asir and the Vanir. Uh-huh. So she kind of, okay. She's liminal between those yeah, two. <laughs> I, that's what I thought. I thought she was Vanir. She was originally Vanir, but there was some kind of contract or deal or something made. And I don't, I, I don't, don't, I don't know my Norse mythology <laughs> in and out, but it was something to that effect. And she ended up becoming a part of the Asir. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. but that maybe that's part of that contract then as well. Like the Vanir and the Aesir mm -hmm. have to split the dead. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, she, she actually yeah. gets first choice mm. according to mythology of, you know, who comes with her. Okay. So Valhalla, a lot of us have heard this word. It's in a lot of movies, a lot of shows. People talk about Valhalla. Anyway, it's, <laughs> this is the realm that's presided over by Odin and Asgard specifically for fallen warriors to go in preparation for the future war called Ragnarok, at least according to Snorri Sturluson, 
You'll find many people online who claim you have to be a soldier or die in battle to go to Valhalla with Odin. Mm. Yes. Um, for me, this is just my opinion. I believe if you're a warrior for a cause, doesn't have to be literal necessarily, just my opinion. And, or you're a devotee of Odin, you have the ability to reach Valhalla. Mm. Um, there have been all out comment wars started over this whole idea. And a lot of people will like to gatekeep Valhalla. So just be aware of that. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I don't know. I, uh, apparently I visited Odin and chilled with him while I was (laughs) being operated on. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if, I don't know if that was another instance where I went to what I call the Summerlands, Um, Mm -hmm. but it was funny because my, the cousin who had the dream, she described the landscape to me and it was uh, pretty much the same as what I dream about. That's pretty cool. Okay. Continue. (laughs) Okay. So, and also too, we've talked about this before. I feel like we've talked about this in regard to Odin, but it said that Odin, when he exhales, um, or when he exhaled, excuse me, he breathes life or, or has breathed life into us when we're born. So mm. upon death, when you exhale, when you take it, when you breathe your last breath out, he is essentially inhaling and bringing you back to him as a soul. Yes. That, well, I mean, that makes total sense with the mythos for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to me, this is just, again, my opinion as far as a death and afterlife goes, but I think it's ultimately up to the gods and your deeds on earth and what you believe will happen um, when you die, as far as where you go in, in the Norse pagan afterlife or just in the pagan afterlife in general. I don't mm-hmm. listen to these people that tell me, you know, you're not going to Valhalla because of whatever. And don't, you know, just, I don't know. Don't pay attention to those people. <laughs> So yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. I think. (laughs) Okay. I think too, though. Um, oh, oh, one more thing on that. So in modern, the modern heathenry book by Galina Kraskova, she also says that like what we've been saying, it depends on where you feel like you're going to go, but Mm -hmm. she also says that we have options. You know, we, we might want to go to hell to be with the majority of our ancestors after a certain time, um, after a certain lifetime, Or maybe we want to go to a realm of the gods that we devoted ourselves to, or we can reincarnate, or we can stick around and, you know, haunt our descendants or family members for a while. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I agree with that to a certain extent, but I also feel like, I feel like we're given like a mandatory timeout. (laughs) Like I feel like, oh yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like you can die and be reborn in the same day. You know what? And, and again, this is just individual belief, but there are people that actually believe because soul is energy, right? That there are souls that will leave a body and then re-enter a body in the same day, like reincarnation wise. But I can't, I, I personally just can't fathom that. I can't either, but I don't, I mean, I'm not Odin because- or whoever, so I don't know. <laughs> because <laughs> How has your soul had time to forget? Like, I feel like if that does happen, 
those are the instances where you get children who are deeply disturbed by memories that they can't explain. Yeah. Could be, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because there are kids that have, you know, that are two and three years old Mm -hmm. that are like, you're not my real mom. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. It's possible. I mean, anything's possible. All right. right. So moving on from the Norse pagan afterlife, would you like to talk a little bit about the Celtic other world? Sure. And I'm sure I'm going to butcher this. Um, so the Celtic Otherworld, a.k.a. Tiernanog, to our ancient Celtic ancestors, death was just a part of the cycle of life. There were various beliefs in a Celtic pagan afterlife, depending on the people. In Welsh mythology, the Celtic Otherworld was called, uh, how do you say that? Onwen, I think. Onwen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and was a place of abundance, health, and eternal youth. The Welsh Celtic god Arwen ruled the Celtic otherworld. As told in the early Welsh prose story, the four branches of the Mabinagi. Mabinagi. All these words. I know. (laughs) Somebody teach me. Okay, so the Irish Celts also believed in the Celtic otherworld, located somewhere under the earth or under or over the sea. Mm hmm. Um, there were many names for it, including Tiernanog, Tierneal, or Tier. How do you say that? Yeah, I think Nail? that's right. Tech Do Tech Dun, mm-hmm. and Magmel. Whether these were different names for the Celtic Otherworld or separate places within it remains a mystery. The Celtic Otherworld was a place where the gods and ancestors lived, a place of eternal life. So just going to pause here. What are your thoughts? Like, do you think that these are different names for the same thing? Or do you think that these were different places? I see it kind of like it's all the same world, but there's different islands in the ocean named different things. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like one world, different countries. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of the, so there's a book called Tales of the Celtic Otherworld by John Matthews, where he retells a lot of the, you know, the Celtic quests or the Celtic journeys, essentially the Imrama, I think is what they're called is the term where these legendary heroes go on a journey across the sea and they end up in the Celtic Otherworld. But they, it's always like they've landed on an island and all these weird creatures are there and then they leave the island. There's a different island. So it could be something like that, right? It's all one world, like you said, but different countries in the world. Yeah. I think I have the same viewpoint. Yeah. Cause that's how we would also get like, you know, just being whatever, like, uh, Valhalla and Folkvanger and all those things. Maybe they're all just different parts of the other world. Right. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. Cool. So the Welsh and Irish weren't the only Celtic people. Remember the Gauls on continental Europe were also Celtic and they too had a pagan afterlife similar to the Irish and the Welsh. The Celtic other world to the Gauls was known as Orbis Alias. At least that's the Latin name for it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gaulish Celtic people believed in three major planes of existence, upper, middle, and lower. 
This reflects a worldwide mythical concept Mm -hmm. of the world trait in which the upper world is the realm of the gods, the middle world, the realm of the men and the lower world is the realm of the dead. Yeah. That's pretty. I mean, that's pretty pretty like standard. Yeah. 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 Like from Christianity to, you know, ancient cultures. I know. Yeah. It's pretty cool to see just how similar, honestly, they all are in that, in that way. Which gets me excited for our Mythos Across Cultures podcast that we're going to do. That one will be good. Mm-hmm. Are you a fan of Joseph Campbell? To that note. No idea. <laughs> oh my God. The anthropologist, Joseph Campbell. Seriously? Okay. I'll have to send you um, something. He talks about this, like how the, how myths are, you know, the archetypes and and all of our mythos and how it all kind of just plays back into the human psyche and right. uh, Anyway, I'll send you a link. Okay. So I'm not going to go too deep into the Greek afterlife, but, um, upon my research, there are four main afterlife realms in the Greek myth- mythos. There's the Elysian fields. That was for like the elite, I guess. Asphodel meadows. I don't know what that's for. <laughs> <laughs> the fields of mourning, which is M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, which sounds very sad. And Tartarus, which was a, basically a place reserved for the worst people, which is also sad to me. Mm. So we're not going to expand on that. <laughs> so we've, okay. already, we've touched a little bit on reincarnation. You go ahead. Oh, no. Go on. Do, I guess, I mean, do we all reincarnate? I think that you already said you believe in reincarnation. Yes, heavily. I do too. I think too. And I don't know, it, it, I guess it just depends on the individual, but for me, I think it depends on where you are in your cycle as to whether you reincarnate quickly or if you stick around longer in the spirit world, but I think we can choose to do either. Mm, yeah. And I also, you know, we were talking about how, um, like my mom and grandmother are like on their last cycle eventually, you know, um, and after this, they get to go rest for eternity. Are they like but, saints or what? <laughs> no. Well, I think my grandmother was, but um, <laughs> she was a very, very um, devout woman. Mm-hmm. As for, like, if you didn't, um, it was funny though, because she did let me read her cards once and um, well, more than once, but it was funny because she agreed to it. But what, what came up, she was like, I believe that. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> because, um, it was basically about how she was a nun and, or a religious devotee several mm-hmm. times over. And so, um, but having said that there are also people, particularly within my own family, and it's the only one that I've ever met, um, is a brand new soul, never been here before. Yeah. Uh, so, and I think that that's really cool. And it's funny though, because she did not have that confirmed by just me. Um, it's been according to every past life reading she's ever done. There's nothing that comes up. It's like, um, there isn't one because you're new. <laughs> wow. So I might, be, I might be angry about that though. If I, if it was me and I'm like, I want my past life read. And they were like, sorry, you've never had a past life. I'd be like, you know what? Just make something up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but for real, you know, like you'd be a little disappointed, like, well, it's cool that I'm new, but 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I guess that, well, we led right into our next uh, question about new souls. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the topic being how many times do we really reincarnate and are there any new souls on earth? So obviously there's new souls on earth. I think they're probably more rare though than the typical soul who's lived like, you know, dozens to a hundred type lives ish. These are just my oh, yeah. thoughts, opinions. Um, and I also think that older souls have probably lit or are also more rare and, mm. um, they've lived over a hundred lives. But I also think like you can look at the world population as well and how much it's grown mm-hmm. uh, over the centuries. Good point. And so I think definitely you can see that there are new souls, but also a lot of recycled ones. Yeah, I agree. And, and to that note too, and I've gotten into really deep thought on this whole new soul reincarnation thing before many, many times. Um, and this won't be the last, but I think our concept too, of souls and like the quantity of souls and all that might, it's, it's easier for us to understand and think of souls being, you know, individual souls and there's a certain quantity and maybe there's new, and maybe there's some that are recycled. Does that make sense? But maybe they're, maybe it's more complicated than that on the other side. Oh, probably. You know, like maybe there's, I don't know how to explain where I'm going with that, but you know, just meander on that. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. And I'm just going to touch on this quickly, but I think it's important. Alora, I think, well, first of all, let's say if you've never heard of people that have lived past lives and other realms of existence, you need to go back and listen to our podcast episodes on soul origins. Cause Alora actually does this work. Yeah. Don't you? And yes, you like to is, explain further. Yeah. This is kind of like my jam. Um, this is what I do. This is how I help people. Um, so past lives, um, reincarnation, it doesn't always mean that we're going to reincarnate here. Um, there are other planes of existence in which we can have past lives. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's what I help people figure out. Um, and this goes for like the elemental realm. So that's the land of the fae and other, um, elemental beings, star seed realm, which is other planets or star systems that you may have incarnated in. Mm -hmm. Um, wise ones are typically human, but because they're magically inclined, um, they typically have traits as well, um, that can be clued in on, um, to determine if you've had a previous life as a magical practitioner, right. Um, but not just a magical practitioner, um, things that were considered to be magical, but were really just scientific for the time. So like midwife, um, would have been a type of wise one. Um, also angelics. So you can even have incarnated as an angelic being from, uh, guardians to, you know, Malachim to all different kinds. Um, and if you 
are able to determine or decipher that you have incarnated in the angelic realm. There are certain types of magic you should be leaning towards. There are particular angels that correspond with your natal chart points, things like things like that, that people don't realize. So all of this stuff, um, also feeds into, you know, reincarnation, exploring past lives and, and all of that. So, yeah. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. If, if you all would like to learn more about that, like I said, we we've done two past episodes in which Alora talks all about soul origins and the other realms. Yeah. And if you're interested in, in that, kind of stuff. Um, you can find the soul origin profile offerings in my shop, mm-hmm. Lorraine.com forward slash shop. And I've had two done people about a decade apart and they're both amazing. This most recent one was just, it's blown my mind and I'm still unraveling and um, I know things. So I get so, I get so excited when people get excited and they're like, Oh my God, this explains so much about me. How did you know all this? And I'm like, Yay. it really does. Even, like, even when you said about the rosemary with the saning practice. Mm, yeah. I've been using rosemary for at least a decade, probably more for smoke cleansing or saning purposes. And didn't realize that that's like a traditional saning herb, Mm -hmm. right. in Scotland. And anyway, that's all I'm going to say, but so what, if you could just, if you want to share a little bit, what are some past lives do you believe you've lived? If you'd like to share just a little sliver. Oh, well, um, my husband and I actually shared a past life. Um, and it was, it was not, it was not all, uh, sunshine and roses. Um, it was, Oh, Ooh, Ooh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I was American indigenous, um, in California. Hmm. He was Polynesian, uh, in Hawaii. Oh. And yeah. And he That's actually, he actually rode his way to California because there was a war going on. Um, and then my nation took him in, um, wow we got together and then, um, I was pregnant and I ended up getting murdered. So, oh, <laughs> so these are, th- see, these are the things with past lives that I always, you know, people are like, I want to know about my past lives. I'm like, but mm-hmm. do you right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. about to rip you apart. Same. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so I, like, so that one has been really vivid in my life. Um, there's also, I also had one in the 1920s in Chicago was a flapper, uh, back then and actually saw my brother in that life get murdered in the street. So yeah, (laughs) a lot of the big M word going on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like but actually it's funny though, because one of the things, so I don't have any children and it's interesting because in most of my past life memories, um, I have either not had children or have died in childbirth. Oh, golly. Or, or have been, you know, axed while pregnant. <laughs> so, my word. So maybe I've just like decided Maybe, maybe I decided before I came here, like, mm, I don't think we want to do that again. Well, good point. 
I mean, maybe that doesn't mean that I don't want babies because I, I got do, you. but you know yeah. what I mean? Like for sure, maybe my soul decided without me, like, nah, no. nah, we ain't doing it. Uh, yeah. I got you. <laughs> what about you? Um, I mean, I've, I know that I've lived past lives in other worlds. I don't remember what they were like, but I just know, but I also know that I've lived multiple lives in ancient Egypt, at least once as a priest. Um, also another time as like a scribe, someone that actually etched the hieroglyphs onto temple walls. Mm -hmm. I was a man in that life. I also know that I was a very tall woman in Nubia, which was, Mm. um, at some point South of Egypt in ancient times. And I nearly drowned in the Nile. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's lovely. Yeah. And I know that I also lived somewhere in Eastern Europe. I'm not sure where, but sort of as a, I don't want to say the G word because everyone gets very upset about it, but as it will say nomadic person uh-huh. and like a wooden wagon. And I also know that I've lived in Ireland and Scotland. My life or lives in Scotland was as a healer, um, herbalist and witch. And in my life in Ireland, I was the wife of a warrior King, at least one in one life. Mm. And then in a more recent life, which wasn't very good, I was a uh, lady in a brothel in the wild, wild West. Mm. And it was like, I was kind of forced into it. So it wasn't a very good life. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Funny, funny enough. I could see that. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. (laughs) But I could totally see like, I don't know. You know how they have those old, um, tin type photos that you can do or mm-hmm. whatever when you, go down, when you go down to Florida. Like I could totally see you doing one of those. It's like a, a little brothel girl. Yeah. I never did them. Never you once. What? You've never done one. Nope. <gasps> you should. I wonder if that's why, like, it's never just, you know, it didn't come up because it's like a shadow or something in that mm. regard. Ooh, that would be interesting. Yeah. And it would be interesting to see, like, if you did one of those and you got the photo, would that jog your memory? Oh my God. Crazy. (laughs) I love this topic. We could go on and on about reincarnation forever. I know we could. And you do past life readings, don't you? Through otherworldly or I do. I'm taking a break right now from that. So, Mm -hmm. but I typically do. I, and I've done them for a long time. That's one type of reading that I enjoy doing and I've gotten kind of adept at doing so. Yes, definitely you are. All right. Well, shall we wrap this whole thing up? We shall read more about the pagan beliefs in death and the afterlife at otherworldlyoracle.com type pagan afterlife or pagan funerals into the search bar. We welcome you to join our high vibing Facebook group and visit my website at alorarain.com for numerology, tarot readings, and soul origin profiles. Shout out to all of our oracles for joining us, whether you're new or returning, subscribe to or favorite our podcast to be notified of future episodes. Help your magical sisters out and be sure to share our podcast and review us too. And remember, whether you're in the land of the Fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly.